The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleina. I want to invite you to listen to The Power of Water, our mission on Earth, our human mission, to understand and educate ourselves about what is happening with the water crisis around the world. I'm Sharon Kleina. Long, almost two, three years ago this month, I started the Sharon Kleiner Hour to send a message, be an ambassador with our guests, to go out to the world and learn to listen to the rhythm of our earth. And fresh water is a crisis. Earth has been called by some a very well-known book that I want you to want to recommend. It's called Water. It's by Stephen Solomon. And Stephen said in the book, this is called The Water Planet. And as soon as I read that about that in his book, I thought, yes, and all the, sol- all the universe, the solar system, Earth is chosen with a mission. Earth has the water, but water is life. And it's like the very well-known Professor Worthrich that we've had on here who got the Nobel Prize in chemistry, but he proved there is life in the molecule, which means water. Water is alive. National Geographic had a whole addition at one point in our history that water is a species. And that water today has become a crisis, and 70% of our earth is water. 70% of your body is water. I get very concerned about people who say, I don't like the taste of water. It's sad because you are water you must drink 8 to 10 glasses of water a day to replenish your lost moisture because you were born. You came out of a, of a pocket of water, and you began to dehydrate. And something I found out that research has not been doing enough and news media has not done enough is teach ourselves, teach the world about who we are. The moment you were born, you entered in the air you breathe, no longer had water around you. So therefore, the skin went to a trauma, dried up like a sieve, and can you imagine that brand new little baby you were? All of a sudden, you were dry. You had no water. Can you imagine the trauma? Your eyelid opened, and the eye organ, not covered by the skin all day, that organ must have a 98% natural moisture coming from the air, so much from your brain, because the eyes and the brain are connected in the womb immediately. So there definitely is a connection that needs to be studied. We're doing that on the show. Every week we have special guests from the United Nations, NASA, special physicians, founders of different research projects that are getting directions of new ideas, new uh, 
I, uh, thinking. And we need to learn from this show one thing. We're sitting in a laboratory learning. So when you want to listen to this show, you're going to be learning something that maybe you forgot about or something you've never heard of before from around the world. As you know, we went into the United Kingdom and had a show with an individual. Here soon we're going into Thailand. We're going into Kenya. We're going into Holland. We're going into all over the world with the radio talk show in time to find out what is happening around the world and what they're thinking is about water. As you know, and we've talked about on the show, but I'll remind you, 1.1 billion people in our world do not have access to proper water. 2.6 billion people of the world do not have access to adequate sanitation. 1.8 million children die every year, which means 5,000 deaths a day of our children that are depending upon we, the mature adults, we, the ones who seem to want to learn to be highly educated, to be their supporter, their lifeline, and yet we're not figuring this out. So I decided that with the radio talk show to go worldwide, we're going to be the news media. We're going to be the one to get out into the world with our special guests that are the whole heroes of all this and get the world educated about who they are and that you're living with Earth you're, it's not going to live with you, as you found out with the Haiti earthquake, the Chile earthquake, the tsunami warnings, uh, hurricanes, tornadoes. Uh, you'll, we, we are living as a guest here. Can we learn how to live here? You bet. I know we can. I started to say, you bet your life we can. We're going to save a life, all of us. Let's start this mission together. Today we have two special guests. Katriana McGregor, who's from uh, Carlsbad, California. She's the author and founder of a, 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 of a Ween Grove, a, 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 and I hope I pronounce that right, A-W-E-N Grove, a topic on uh, books of healing the heart and the world, and it's a partnering with nature, and you're going to have a lot of fun with that one because I've heard she is unbelievably connected to her education. The second guest is Julie Hill-Gabriel from Miami, Florida. She's with the Audubon at Florida Everglades. And as you know, we've gone into Florida before, and we've learned more about their wetlands, and today we're going to learn more about the Everglades. So stay tuned, and uh, let's learn together. And we're going to be starting in each show, giving you new books that are along the way, and we're going to be posting on our website any new education that we believe that you need to support the reference of what we're talking about. Our sponsor is Biologic Aqua Research Center. Biologic Aqua Research Center is the founder of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, the only natural method with all fresh water, tissue culture-grade water, to ha uh, mist the eyes for Nature's Method to replenish lost moisture because the air is too dry. You'll find it nationwide in the drugstore section, in the eye drop section, and I know it's not an eye drop. It is the only 100% moisture treatment product in that section. So let's listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist with Just a Mist. And we'll be right back with Katriana.
World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to talk. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Listen. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. You're listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's Sharon Kleina Hour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Katriana? Yes. Uh, uh, thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure to be here, Sharon. Well, um, I know that you uh, are the author and founder of, of, of A. Am I pronouncing it correctly? A1? It's the um, the nonprofit. It's called Awen Grove, and Awen is the same meaning as the Tao. It's just an uh, ancient Celtic term. Okay, and uh, it's on healing the heart of the world is your mission. I'm going to say that to you. Uh, tell us a little bit about you, Kate, uh, Katriana, before we go. What you've been doing? Yes. Um, well, what I do is uh, for many, many years I worked in the environmental movement and I worked around the world in Asia and here in the U.S. and uh, Eastern Europe. And I found very quickly that um, while protecting environment and species and habitat, that people also are suffering from uh, a lack of contact with nature. So now my work over the past decade has been running Vision Quest and helping people to connect with the nature within themselves as well as be better stewards of the environment. Wonderful. How long have you been doing that? Over a decade now. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you know about myself, but for 30 years I've been studying just that. And I focused more, I went into the water and decided that education about the water and research and uh, all over the world. Now, I wanted to ask you, uh, and you're living in Carlsbad, and what do you do for your personal way to connect with the earth and its rhythm and its love? I mean, kiss the trunk of the tree type of feeling. In other words, you're living as a guest on earth with the earth. It's not going to live with us. We have to learn to live with it. Uh, what do you personally do? Um, what I do and what I encourage people that I also work with to do is it's really simple. Um, is to get outside, even just for a, a walk outdoors, a hike, um, but to go out there to, in a way of being with nature, of being open to listening and learning, um, not in a hurried state or, you know, wearing headphones, et cetera, or cut off from the world. Right. And just a simple, beautiful hike um, once a day uh, in the morning can really uh, bring a lot of joy and um, relaxation and peace into one's life. Mm-hmm. You're right. Breathing in and breathing out, right? Mm-hmm. Learning right. how to breathe. 
Well, let's t- hear more about uh, your book, uh, Healing the Heart of the World. What is your focus on that for people to learn today? Healing the Heart of the World is the essence of that um, book, and the essay is um, Nature um, as Healing Catalyst, is that humankind can be healed by nature. People are experiencing more stress today than ever before, and um, we are also living out of touch with nature more than ever before. The average uh, American only gets outside for an hour a week, and I believe there's a direct correlation between high levels of stress and our lack of contact with nature. Well, also, and, too, Catriona, I went, my research proved that indoor conditions, when they invented long ago, when they decided they wanted to save money in that era, that they put in, uh, invented forced air heating and cooling, cooling inside of insulated windows and walls. Uh, there's no moisture hardly in the air. It's a pit. So if people are spending way too much time indoors, it's a crisis inside. Uh, they need to get outside and get the breath and moisture, the fluid of the moisture that's in the air to be able to live and be healthy and detoxify. You're um, right, Sharon. And the United Nations recently declared that um, over 60% of the new buildings that are being built are what they call sick buildings because there's a lot of indoor air pollution and um, a lot of ta- toxic materials and things like carpets and things that people bring Thank into you. Home. That is exactly what I've been saying for 30 years in my research, and then I developed a research center for that throughout the world and wanted to tell you and our listeners that is a fact, the sick indoor conditions. They're a pit. And we've got to learn, as you're teaching, uh, Katriana, and I'm trying to do, and all of our guests, and we're trying all of us throughout the world that are serious about this crisis, that there is a sick problem indoors. And uh, it's the bedding, chemistry in bedding, and chemistry in the fabrics of your clothing, and your uh, upholstery in the chairs, and in the carpeting, and artificial lighting. uh, We're not meant to be with that much artificial lighting. Um, Then we have the insulated windows and walls where it snuffs out and strangles and droughts your life because the body came from water. It has to live with a certain amount of fluid in the air called water, the moisture you can't see. Um, You mentioned to our guests that to go outdoors and learn to live with the earth and listen. You know, you mentioned uh, don't put the headphones on. Can you imagine going for a walk with a head with those uh, headphones on? Uh, not phones, but those head things on those whatever you call them to listen to the music or whatever it is. Can you imagine or going to exercise with those on? That is what was causing probably the stress too, Katriana, is people don't want to listen to the nature of their lives. Yes, and I think that um, people get overwhelmed with the um, with their lives and with what's going on. And the good news is that we can partner with nature to solve a lot of these seemingly overwhelming overwhelming problems. So um, you're um, talking about uh, all the problems indoors. We can actually bring these incredible plants indoors that can help purify our air, for example, and I, I also help advise people on that. And then outside, uh, spending time outdoors, um, working with nature, um, planting extra trees. Um, there are ways we can even uh, solve global warming by partnering with nature and using the wisdom, the innate wisdom of trees and other living things. 
What is your feeling? What is your, uh, this is a think tank, like a research lab. What is your thinking about the word that you just mentioned, it, global warming? There's a lot of controversy and differences of, of that description. What would you call it, global warming? Um, well, as far as is that the correct term for it, or do yes. I believe Do you that believe that's uh, the correct term? Uh, yes, I do see, see that there's this warming trend that, that is occurring um, on the earth, and it's causing all kinds of shifts in, in climate. And, of course, it's not the first um, huge climate change that the planet has faced, um, but this is certainly one that we're facing at the moment. Right, climate changing, yeah. Um, with you, when you're training people, uh, do you have special classes that you teach or you go on, on the Internet and have teleconferencing classes, or uh, is it your book that you um, educate people with? Well, my, I do several things, and my favorite, of course, is the Vision Quest and the Youth Quest um, and Nature Retreat. So that's actually working with people outdoors, of course, mm-hmm. um, because I see myself more as a facilitator and helping people connect with the power and wisdom of, of nature uh, directly. Um, I do also have um, Internet and calls uh, mm-hmm. for some of the people that I work with internationally. Mm-hmm. And then um, I also run a Youth Quest, which is for young people to get uh, youth outdoors. Oh, wonderful. One of the most exciting things I've had on here is when I've had the U.S. Forest Service and the park systems throughout the country, and we talk about the Junior Ranger Program uh, and the children coming in to become Junior Rangers. Um, so do you have a little class you put them through, and then when they're all done, they feel like they've gotten some really uh, education to walk away with, with a little type of a certificate or anything? Well, um, what I do is I partner with um, groups that run uh, after-school programs. Okay. I come in, I, I offer the expertise in okay. the, the science and the connecting with nature, and um, and then I also, we often integrate a coaching uh, program for the kids, too, to okay. help them think about what they do and what they like to do oh. best. So it's a little bit of um, outdoor excursion and exploration and, and learning Let's about. Let's pretend today that I am on one of your classes, and, and, um, and uh, there's a group of children there. So how do you begin your class with them to get them kind of excited about the nature of their life? Is there one way you get it started? Well, there's a variety of ways, but um, we one of the best ways is I usually pick really beautiful, inspiring places in nature okay. to bring the children to, and these okay, are places also to. that are close enough to their homes so that they can go back and visit later with their parents. Oh, wonderful! And many of them just you know they they get out of the off the bus or out of the car with you know, having been driven by their parents, uh-huh. and they are just awestruck by I the bet. redwood trees, the beautiful blue oh, sky. Oh my goodness! Oh, how um, wonderful! Yeah. Yeah, how wonderful. And what else do you do? Then we do a variety of things. Um, we explore um, the habitat, and we take hikes, and the children learn about the trees. They learn about the different peoples that have lived on the land. And um, the children are also encouraged to explore the world themselves and to come back with their own findings about what, they're, what they believe is going on or happening in the environment. Okay, we're going to have a, take a break with our sponsor, and we're going to come back and listen. I want to hear what you've been teaching them and their families about uh, the different habitats and who lived on the land and, and the different things you're teaching. Uh, we'll be right back. This is a very wonderful show. I want to thank you for your, what you've been learning. 
Um, we'll listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, the only method of moisturizing the eye with 100% fresh water, tissue culture grade of water with just a mist to replenish the lost moisture of your eyes. We'll listen to our sponsor and we'll be right back. You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Sharon Kleina Hour at Yahoo.com. That's Sharon Kleina Hour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Catriana, when you're teaching your class of nature and and wanting people to think, and you mentioned here on something I was reading, the new way of living. And I tu- truly believe that my show, Going Worldwide, is going to teach all of us that we're living on a planet that should be always a concern of how much water, how much fresh water. Don't let it all run to the sea. Um, and that water is life. And uh, you have here the new way of living. Nature is a key partner. And you're right. Um, it's the most exciting hobby anybody could have every day, waking up, push, putting your foot on the ground. I don't care where you're at, who you are, and it's a new day. Uh, and wanting to learn to listen to the, to the earth and you, who you are, and uh, make the magic of your rhythm and the earth's rhythm, rhythm magically be the music together. Uh, when you're out in these field trips and you're taking people to different locations to think about living, uh, healing with the heart of the world, do you ever discuss water with them? Water comes up and um, because um, it is one of the, the primary elements on earth and, of course, within our own bodies. And uh, But we work with the four primary elements, uh, earth, air, fire, and water. Mm-hmm. And we work uh, in, internally to balance all of those elements within ourselves. Mm-hmm. And um, that also, of course, reflects the world around us. So, yes, I work with the elements, to the, um, but not just water. Yeah, there's a lot of new books out uh, about the water crisis. In fact, they're saddened that all that enormous amount of billion-dollar business went toward global warming without adding water because water there's water wars all over the world. In fact, they say in, in Yemen uh, it's not the al-Qaeda 
Katriana, it's the water wars, and it's going on in states, in the United States, is in a very serious water crisis, and the lack of education is what's caused it, I'm sure, because you, you probably understand education is the biggest news thing there is. And if water is in a crisis on Earth, of course the health of human life, all life, is going to be in a crisis to go with it. Um, the reason I asked if you ever included water, there's so many books out about discussing water uh, out there on, for people to get a little educate, quite a bit of education uh, to add that to a classroom topic. Um, I'm going into uh, New York in the next couple of weeks and going into a school where they, it was so exciting, they made their science project water. And when they had talked to me on the phone and I was going on and on about my dedication to the life and water and discovering what we can do to save lives in this planet and bringing people like yourself and people from all over the world together and at the news media and everybody be involved with this new, this education because it, it depends upon your health. They were so excited because water is their project. And I was fascinated. They made water their project in their science class this year in the whole school. I wanted to ask you, with uh, your uh, research uh, and learning, did you ever get into anything also to do with nutrition, uh, learning to live with the earth with certain nutrients? And did you ever tap into that also? Um, yes, I did. And um, part of the thing, too, Sharon, talking about water, you know, um, and the education is so critical because um, the, most children who die on this planet uh, die from bad water. Uh, many Americans aren't aware of that, but that's the leading cause of death of children worldwide is bad it is. water. It is. In fact, it's, uh, I mentioned at the beginning of the show, um, there's uh, 5,000 deaths a day of children worldwide. Uh, because of lack of water and sanitation. And, of course, if there's no water, there's not going to be any sanitation. Mm-hmm. In fact, I've had people from around the world on the show where they were in Africa and had to carry the water. Katrina, can you imagine getting up early in the morning before the children got to, went to school, if they even got to go to school that day, and they go, down, go to a distance and carry the water uh, at a distance to their village, and all of a sudden they drop it, and they would have to start all over again. So you can imagine, and what doesn't mean the water was good water, they were just bringing water in for whatever the family could carry in. So we've got, I'm personally a believer that if we're going to start studying the climate, let's study the water first and then go in and add it to it second, because water is in such a crisis in, on this planet, and disease is because of lack of water and sanitation and health uh, problems all over the world because of water. As you know, here in the United States, we had somebody who passed away just drinking water at a hotel. Now, nobody else in the hotel had it happen, but that person did. So there's, And they proved that the schools are full of bad water in our country. And yet I'm saying to everybody, drink water but you've got to make sure that the water you're drinking is safe water because the pipes are not always safe. Now, when you're teaching um, the classes, what would you like us to hear uh, besides the, uh, the nature of the, of the forest and the, and the, and the hearing of the, of the nature of the rhythm of the earth and the sounds? Is there something else you want to teach us? 
Well, um, and in teaching the classes, and I see it more as um, helping helping people to to be in in nature in a really whole way, in a holistic way. Mm-hmm. And that's why the vision quest, for example, um, lasts. Uh, the shortest vision, vision quest is four days and four nights. And people are sleeping underneath the stars and uh, they're seeing the sunrise and the beautiful blue sky and the stars come out. And then they're seeing this repeat the next day. And what happens is their inner body, bodily rhythm begins to slow down and they become more in touch with that silent, um, inner, quiet, inner voice within. And then the movement of the animals, we go to these amazing locations and then an owl may be in a tree near them at a, at a key moment where they're asking mm-hmm. a question. Oh. And um, so it's listening and learning uh, from the land, getting more in rhythm with the land. And um, that's where the teaching comes. It's not so much talking at people because um, we're not just our brains, we're our hearts, we're our bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really bringing people into this experiential learning uh, situation. You tell them to, to and no cell phones and no uh, uh, blackberries and all that. Yes. Yes. No cell phones, <laughs> no watches, um, no blackberries, because, of course, you know, time is no earphones. Yeah. No earphones. And, you know, we get into this linear time thing, um, which can be very unforgiving, and cyclical, cyclical time is very forgiving. Yeah. And, um, you know, and it's just a beautiful uh, time to be in. That's when the magic happens. That's when you can get into the spirit of the time of now. And um, Now, I think I heard when you and I were talking earlier, do you have a bird in your where you're at? I do. I do. I have all kinds of animals here. I, um, I have several birds here. I've got dogs and cats and bunnies. And uh-huh. I also occasionally um, I find um, injured or orphaned wild, wild animals, and I, I help uh-huh. raise them and, and release them. Uh-huh. And uh, I've been surrounded by animals ever since I can remember. Yeah, I have where I'm coming from here. I'm in southern Oregon, in Grants Pass, Oregon. And my office is up above, uh, upstairs uh, uh, here at the campus uh, overlooking the Valley of the Rogue. And you, you're going to laugh. I have outside of my uh, windows, I have squirrels that are always running around in skylights. So they're either looking at me from the trees through the skylights or climbing into the trees, coming to the beams of the building. And then I have a canary um, in, in my uh, here. And uh, by the way, my canary loves Western music, Katrina. <laughs> so we found a station that he doesn't stop singing, and he loves Dolly, Dolly Parton. <laughs> he just goes funny. And then I have, of course, water sounds. And I was going to mention to people and yourself too, in your homes when it's so dry and in your buildings, uh, buckets of water, bowls of water, terrines of water, in the in the room always adds to a insulation uh, room that has to be closed during bad uh, winter times or whatever. I always like to have a little bit of crack of a window open. Everybody says, oh, my gosh, it's going to be expensive. And I said, well, but my health could be more expensive. But uh, we have put, you can put vases of water, terrines of water around the house to be able to, the air picks that up, as you know, uh, naturally. And uh, But, again, I, I thought I heard some birds in your background there. And um, so you've been nurturing the, our nature for a long time. I have my earliest memory, in fact, is uh, being four years old and walking with a nest of baby birds. Oh, how wonderful. Uh, yeah, they had been dislodged from our neighbor was cleaning her shutters, and uh, they had fallen out. So I, I brought them home to, to try to save them, and mm-hmm. that was the first thing I remember, and I've uh, been going ever since. 
I had a guest here, a company from uh, Tokyo, Japan, last week. And we live in Grand- southern Oregon, where you're, we're along the Rogue River. And it's, as you know, you've heard the Rogue is one of the ten wildest rivers in the United States. And so beautiful. And we, at about 15 minutes from here, it's the lower Rogue and the most beautiful spots to watch the river flow and the rapids. And we took her down uh, to what's called the Grave Creek area to see where the rapids go. And there's a, 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 there's a pathway that the U.S. Forest Service maintains from there all the way from this part of Oregon to the ocean. And she was just shocked. And then we took her to some creeks that were hidden in like in a little gully with waterfalls coming down and the moss and the little drippings of the water from the ferns. And you can imagine coming from uh, Japan, Katrina, uh, having that nature. Uh, she could not believe that we, in fact, she wrote a thank you and said she couldn't believe the connection of nature and water uh, to her life, uh, that she would not have gotten um, anywhere unless she came here at that moment. Uh, we're about, we only have a little more time. Is there a, a final thing in our classroom that you would like to educate us about? Yes, I wanted to let um, your listeners know that uh, my book, Partnering with Nature, The Wild Path to Reconnecting with the Earth, is coming out on Earth Day. And the book covers some of the scientific and historical uh, information. And it also has really simple everyday practices that people can do in their own backyards and, and parks near them. Um, to help get more in touch with nature, which, of course, is going to bring more peace and joy and fulfillment into their own lives. Yeah, our Earth Day is coming. Did you know I had the founder of Earth Days, uh, Robert Weir, who's the founder of the book for uh, uh, the founder of Earth Day on here? And uh, it was really interesting to hear about the story of Earth Day and the United Nations and uh, what they did to make that possible for the world, to have a day called Earth Day. Mm-hmm. And this is it's, as you know, it's John McConnell's book, but it's Robert Weir is the author of the book. Mm. It's really exciting. It, uh, in fact, we'll be having Robert on uh, quite often. He and I really enjoyed the education of what the founder of Earth Day wanted the world to think about with Earth. And it's, like you said, the rhythm of understanding and the healing and the heart of the world to think about. There's a special day for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us. And uh, I wish you well. And uh, if you uh, and we will say to everybody, go to www.awengrove.org for Katrina McGregor's book. You keep up the good work, and and, I, and and sometime if you'd like to have the children on the show after having them into some of your field trips, let us know because I'd love to have some children tell us what they learned. Wonderful. Okay, thank you for your time. All right. Thank you have you. a nice day and be well. Okay. Bye. I know. What can we learn from each other? And look what others are doing around the world, uh, in different parts of the world, to make it possible for us to connect. Uh, my issue is the water crisis, but if you can't connect with the world and the earth, you would not understand probably that there is a crisis called the nature of water, the fresh water on our earth. Today we have our second guest, Julie Hill-Gabriel. She's from in Miami, Florida. I'm really excited about this. She's with the Audubon of Florida Everglades. And as you know, we've been learning a lot from the past about what has been going on uh, with our wetlands, and I'm sure she'll be teaching us a lot. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears I Missed, 
It is sold nationwide in drugstores. You can find it over in the eye drop department. Even though it is 100% natural, it's sold in the eye drop department as the first all-natural method to moisturize the eyes with tissue culture grade of water with just a mist. We'll listen to our sponsor, and we'll come back with Julie Hill Gabriel. Listen. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to listen and talk. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Julie, are you with us? Yes, hello. Thank you, Sharon. Well, thank you. And you're sitting over there. Are you in Miami, Florida? I am here in Miami. And you're with uh, the conservatory, uh, the Audubon Conservatory there. Correct, Audubon of Florida. Okay, tell me, uh, tell me about your, uh, the uh, organization and what are their goals, and then we'll start t- discussing your water and what you've been doing in Florida and for, with, uh, in the Florida Everglades. Great. Well, Audubon of Florida is the state office for the National Audubon Society, um, and we also have 44 local chapters throughout the state of Florida, Mm -hmm. um, often on county lines, but sometimes crossing those. So Mm -hmm. we get the benefit of covering issues across the entire state and then also being affiliated with the national organization so that, um, you know, we can impact issues that, that are happening across the country. Let's, um, uh, you know what we might do with our audience that listen from around the world? Why don't you define uh, the, we understand Audubon, the description, but teach our listeners what Audubon, uh, what, it, what it does, what its focus is. Sure. Well, um, we actually work on a wide array of issues, um, normally focused around habitat, um, and one of our uh, our main objectives is connecting people with nature. So we mm-hmm. do feel that there needs to be an education component when you connect people with nature. Um, they have, you know, a better understanding of, uh, of the importance of the natural world um, beyond sort of things that we get to see every day. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been around in Florida for um, 
really over 100 years. I was just going to ask you, how old is the uh, organization of Autobahn? So it's celebrated 100 years a couple of years ago. So we actually are now in our second century of um, advocating for wildlife issues. Um, people often know the the, um, the naturalist painter, John James Audubon, um, who did paint bird species around the world, um, and that is part of what, you know, helped bring attention to some of the issues that were happening with birds, mm-hmm. um, especially back in the early days of the 1900s where there were plume hunters and they used bird feathers for, um, for hats and for di- different fashion pieces. And oh, that way really... back in time they did, didn't they? <laughs> yes. Was, um, you know, a real uh, stress on the species, and people maybe didn't really think about that at the time, but when you started to see the impact um, to the species as a whole, then that really got a lot of people's attention and started the Audubon movement. I never had thought about it before until you just mentioned it, (laughs) but it is so true. You know, our forefathers are the most genius people on Earth. We wouldn't be here today with all that we've learned and willing to learn and what they were willing to learn. But uh, I'm sure when they, the, wor- the, or the world and the acres were so far, uh, uh, so distant, the land, they never thought that when they started taking the animals for fur or what uh, birds for the feathers, uh, and, and, and that would endanger species. They, they weren't thinking because they just assumed it was always going to be the nature of they'll always be there and they'll always reproduce. Correct. Right. I mean, it would be nature, of course, that they would think that way because the world wasn't as connected, as heavily populated as we are now. So um, the painter Audubon, uh, where would we find some of his paintings? I bet that would be a beautiful project to go look for some of his paintings he did. Well, they're really, you know, you can find them in many places, and certainly um, online is a good resource, um, but they are some of, you know, the world's most famous paintings, and so they are in museums across the world, uh-huh. really. Um, right. And, you know, now, of course, we've gone from there to trying to connect people. But, I mean, that was a way to connect people with nature, you mm-hmm. know, in the beginning. Um, right. It wasn't really easy to travel into South Florida, especially when, the Everglades were in their natural state. You know, it was very difficult to access things, and mm-hmm. places weren't developed yet where you could travel easily. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so, one way of um, relaying the images was through the was through his paintings. Wow, well, what a oh, wonderful education! Uh, now, you're, uh, tell me about your Everglades. Well, the Everglades itself is a unique uh, subtropical wetland system, home to tens of thousands of different plant and wildlife species. Um, Now, what we usually call the Everglades includes Everglades National Park, Biscayne National Park, um, the Big Cypress National Preserve. Now, where are those located? Are they right around Miami, or do they go up toward uh, uh, Fort Lauderdale? Uh, How far are they all through the state state of Florida? Generally, the... um, the ecosystem itself, there's, there's sort of two parts we, is how we think of it in, in the most easily um, describable manner, is we have this wonderful lake. You know, I know this is a show about water issues, and we call it the, right. the heart of, um, of our water systems, and it's called Lake Okeechobee. Um, and it's about an hour and a half drive north of Miami. Mm-hmm. And if you look at a map of Florida, it will stick out for sure because it's, it's you know, a very huge 
lake, so it's going lake um, going in the southern part of the state, but okay. in the central southern part of okay. the state. Okay. And so north of there, coming all the way from as far north as Orlando, um, we have the Kissimmee River Basin, mm-hmm. um, which is a chain of lakes and rivers that originally were winding, winding rivers. And part of what was done in order to enable development was that those rivers were channeled to make them straight. And this is part of our restoration effort is um, restoring the winding, slow-moving nature of the lakes and rivers north of Lake Okeechobee. Mm-hmm. Now, is that your, those freshwater canals, I'll call them, uh, uh, is that those canals that they come uh, through there from P- Palm Beach and do they go down into Miami too? And uh, Yeah, that, okay. um, the history, basically what happened is that Almost immediately after Florida became a state in the the mid-1800s, the Everglades were targeted for drainage, or what at the time they called uh, reclamation, because we were trying to reclaim the land in order to provide for urban development and agriculture and other resources, so basically Mm -hmm. to drain the water from the land so that we could use it for the purposes that, you know, we had been using land all over the country for. Right. Um, So through a set of initiatives after that point, the entire system, both north but especially south of, the, of Lake Okeechobee, were greatly altered by canals, levees, and different structures that pump water out of the system. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when that happened, we started to understand that this caused problems um, and started to really understand the complex nature of the natural system, which had kept our water resources in balance. Um, the most interesting statistic I always tell people who live here is that, you know, in South Florida, south of Lake Okeechobee, we actually get more rainfall on average in a year than you would in Seattle. Mm-hmm. However, we have um, water conservation measures that are enforced on people, and we have serious or severe drought conditions very often. Mm-hmm. And the reason is that um, what was altered is that through these series of canals, during the wet season, when we do have a large amount of fresh water flowing, um, a vast majority of it is pumped out to tide. Um, and it's actually on the average of 1.7 billion gallons of fresh water a day are, divert- are diverted to the oceans and the bays. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then when the dry season comes along, we don't have that those resources. We've already discharged them. Mm-hmm. And in the traditional or in the natural system, what would happen is the water would move at such a slow pace, which is where it gets its name, the river of grass, because, you know, um, uh, natural plant materials would grow while it moved so slowly, Uh um, and it would basically stay in the system until it was needed in the dry season. Now, in those canals, I have been there and um, been fascinated by it. In fact, I've had the head of your water uh, system, uh, park system on the show because I was so fascinated with the origination of that and what happened there. Um, whenever you do have a drought, do you notice those canals getting sm- uh, smaller or do they always ha- stay about the same level? Well, everything is very controlled. You know, it's a very controlled system. So there are different pump stations and things, mm-hmm. uh, basically large engineering structures that can control how much water goes into each canal at any given time. Mm-hmm. Um, so in some places there are, you know, because we did this as a flood control measure, there are now, you know, urbanized areas that have mm-hmm. to remain dry and we have to keep pumping water out of them. Um, 
uh, in order to, you know, protect them from flooding. Okay. Now, the other times there are vast amounts of water that move through the canals and can actually um, damage the, the places where they flow into. Mm-hmm. One example is the coastal estuaries on the east and west side of Lake Okeechobee. Mm-hmm. If we divert too much water too fast, it can throw off the balance of freshwater and saltwater and, um, you know, really damage those natural systems. Okay. There are also water quality issues with moving water very quickly um, because when it flows slowly through the natural system, it's actually um, the, the um, plant materials and are actually able to absorb some of the pollutants, and so they have a natural cleaning mechanism. Mm-hmm. So in our restoration efforts, we're actually trying to recreate some of those natural measures yeah, in order to move those aquifers can recharge too. Exactly. Hello there. And a lot of people don't have good education about water, number one. They don't have good education about the aquifers. And it is shocking where people don't realize that the world is in a water crisis worse than any war. Uh, the future of it is a crisis. And I've said, Julie, that that's going to, of course, that's going to put a strain on all life on the planet because the water, there is a crisis with the water. Um, now with the Audubon um, and your Everglades, what are some of the different uh, projects that you have going on that you would like our listeners to learn about? Well, the great thing about our Everglades restoration program is, um, first off, it's really the it's unique. It's the largest restoration plan um, ever achieved when it was developed in 2000. Mm-hmm. And we've learned a lot of lessons over the last 10 years, um, what worked, what didn't work, and what didn't work. And right now we're, um, we're achieving great momentum, and we've had construction groundbreaking uh, ceremonies on three key projects in the last two months mm-hmm. and looking at a few more over the next year. So it's really a, an important time. Something went um, through my mind, uh, whereas your group uh, called in to Iraq when they were bringing back the wetlands there in those villages. You know, way, uh, in 1993, Saddam Hussein, yes, had used weapons of mass destruction years prior on his people to prove to the world he had a strength. Then when he got mad at, uh, after the Allied forces left in 93, he went over to the wetlands and those different uh, villages and bulldozed them down within two two years. They were they had no water, and he did it intentionally so they could die with no water. And they did. Their animals and the families died. They had no water. And then they now are bringing back those wetlands, and they, I have read where they're bringing in consultants from all over the world to help them learn how do you bring it back. And they are bringing it back. Did you hear about that? Um. Yes, and there, you know, there are a number of uh, programs across the world, really, and mm-hmm. that's fascinating. I, I don't know that I knew all of that background, but mm-hmm. um, that's part of why, you know, we we're constantly pushing forward on our restoration project because while it's extremely complex, I mean, there are over sixty individual little projects basically within mm-hmm. the restoration effort. Um, we feel that something on this large of a scale, uh, you know, we have to show that it can get done. Um, right. And then we're looking at other wonderful projects across the country, such as the Great Lakes Restoration um, and Louisiana Coast and a number mm-hmm. of other places across the country. But we're trying to show that, look, we can actually accomplish something on this large of a scale. And mm-hmm. we do know that it can be done on smaller scales. 
Now, you said you're the the corporate headquarters. How many people do you have there working on those projects? Um, we have an Everglades team here at Audubon of Florida. Um, we also have a number of um, of scientists and science coordinators. That's one of great things about working at Audubon is that we we have our science staff. We've had a um, a science research center in Tavernier Key. Okay. Since at least the 1940s, we've had people researching roseate spoonbill nesting, uh-huh. one of the, the iconic um, species of the Everglades. Uh-huh. And we have um, probably around 10 people altogether who work on Everglades restoration from our organization. But, of course, it's a, it's a huge um, cooperative project between a number of different environmental groups, um, the South Water Water Management District and the federal government with the Army Corps of Engineers and Department of Interior. Wonderful. Well, we're out of time, but I enjoyed this, and I'm sure our listeners really enjoyed And your tone uh, with the way you described it. You are definitely uh, in, in, uh, as a mission of what you're doing there because I can tell you really like it. Uh, <laughs> I want to tell our listeners that uh, Julie Hill Gabriel is in Miami, Florida. She's with the Audubon of Florida Everglades, and what a show. We learned a lot, and I think we all need to take it serious our wildlife and then our water, because without the water, there is no life. Um, her website is www.audubon, um, uh, uh, let's see, that says of Florida, uh, news, N-E-W-S dot org. Well, I want to thank you for joining us. Tell everyone we said hello, and let's do this again someday. And when you get some of those projects going and done, why don't you give us a call, and uh, we'll, we'll learn more about them, Julie. Great. Thank you so much. You, be well. You too. Thank, thank you. you. Well, there is an excitement going on in this show, and I want to thank everybody for making that possible, all those special guests that have been on for all this time. We'll soon be celebrating our third year, and I want to thank Voice America, World Talk Radio, I, uh, Apple, iTunes, and Twitter, uh, me at Sharon Kleina Hour to listen on Apple t- uh, to iTunes, and be sure and follow my blog. And But come to the SharonKleinaHour.com. Tell your friends and your family, your schools, and let's join together. Water is a crisis on Earth, and you know, that just means there's an obstacle to solve. Be thinking of everyone in Haiti. Think of the people in Chile and around the world that are experiencing our climate changes and the challenges of living with the nature of our Earth. We'll have our prayers with them. Earth has a secret. Embrace your life every precious moment. Earth is whispering. Never say goodbye. Leave your footprint. That means you're important to all of us. Thank you for listening. Be well. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. 
The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.